All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Twin Cities Trekkies. I am Wes. And I'm Kenzie. And today, since it is Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day week, I should say, um, it was actually on Sunday, but uh, we're going to do it today. Uh, we'll talk about the mothers of Star Trek. And there's only like a handful of them, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, some of them could be motherly figures, you know, to um, other characters as well. But, you know, I think it's a good idea to talk about this month because it is Mother's Day. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's great, you know, because um, because I think mothers on Star Trek have been treated a lot differently than fathers on Star Trek, <clears throat> in my opinion. So and no one would be here without the mothers. <laughs> yeah, yep, none of us would be here without that, <laughs> without our mothers. So, all right. So, um, how to get in touch with us is uh, tctrekkiespodcast at gmail dot com is our email address. Feel free to send us an email, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you can also leave us voice messages. You just go to anchor.fm slash Twin Cities Trekkies. Um, you just find the link right there, and there's like a little button there to uh, <clears throat> leave voice messages. Um, I think, and then once you leave a voice message, it automatically gets an email to us. So, um, and stuff like that, because we did have a voice message a few episodes back. Um, so definitely do that. That's perfectly fine. You can also leave us comments on Instagram and Facebook. Handle us TC Trekkies Pod for both. Or you can definitely leave a comment on the YouTube video. Uh, Twin Cities Trekkies is pretty easy to find on YouTube. Just type in Twin Cities Trekkies, obviously. And yeah. we're available We're available on every platform you can think of. And um, just keep in mind that any comments you may leave, may leave, may leave, um, you may leave may be featured in an upcoming episode of this podcast. Okay, so um, let's talk about the mothers of Star Trek. Um, granted, there's only a definitely few. Definitely some uh, notable ones. <laughs> definitely some notable ones. Um, like um, Luxana Troy, for example. Let's yeah. Bring up that, yeah. Like, like that. Uh, yeah, she. Very I, I intense think, character. Very, yes, very. Definitely. Uh, mother of Deanna. And, uh, you know, she is a thorn in Picard's side. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. So yeah. It, and then, in, yeah. And then in the same breath of the next generation, you got Beverly Crusher just hanging out, raising her son. Um, yep. Alone. On the Enterprise. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got Beverly Crusher. Yep. Definitely. And it's, you know, I think, um, yeah. I mean, they don't really interact that often between Loxana and Beverly. You know, that would have been interesting to see more of a more of a conversation there but it only yeah. happened it only happened a few times i mean it wasn't like like a full-on drag out discussion but you know it's just <laughs> i know loxana's there you know 
when we first meet her in the first season she is like this overbearing mother obviously which you know (laughs) and she's like it's tough and I mean you know I mean I'm sure we all have um, overbearing parents who like want to do the like they always insist they want to do the best for us but you know you just want to like hey you know back off (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a you get it kind of a contrast of a lot of different mothers on next generation you also have mrs o'brien as well yep and then see her go into go into being Mm -hmm. a teacher in deep space nine and living that life and Mm -hmm. you get to see you know like all the children on the ship growing up under like her influence as a teacher so she Mm -hmm. not only has to be like a mother but also being a teacher to children which in itself a lot of mothers do end up being yep which is yep definitely with uh yeah definitely Keiko O'Brien I've seen a lot of hate for her and it's nothing like um racial or anything like that you know um Rosalind Chow is obviously a great actress you know she's been in a lot of other things but (laughs) it's like you know people are like She's like, I feel a lot of hate. I see a lot of hate whenever she's brought up on like, um, in like Facebook discussions or something like that. Um, I see a lot of people going like, I hate that woman. Oh, <laughs> and, really? And, yeah. And it's really quite, it's really quite interesting. I don't comment on those because I'm just like, it's just, you know, some people have a problem with differentiating the actress from the character. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. What's happened? What happened in the last few years, especially with uh, Rose Tran, who uh, Rosemary Tran, who played um, who played uh, what's her name in the last uh, Rose Rose Tico in the yeah. Star Wars sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Marie Tran. <laughs> I got those names mixed up. So yeah. So uh, yeah. And uh, she was forced to leave uh, social media because. People absolutely hated um, Rose Tico for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and I can't they, get behind that. Where it's like you can't differentiate the character from the actual person portraying them. It's like yeah. they, their lives shouldn't be affected by a character they took the time and courage to play out, even if it doesn't sit with them in real life. Like, and I yeah, I don't understand. He goes. Uh, yeah. because i feel like i feel like i see a lot of people be like dang o'brien would be nothing without her like she definitely makes sure that he's being responsible and like reminding him about things and mm-hmm. like taking care of so much stuff like and also like i don't know you get to see that the the motherhood thing kind of become like what it means to be a mother and a wife versus like being a single mother versus being a mother that kind of mothers everybody on the ship yeah exactly and it, it definitely was like yeah <laughs> yeah a single mother which is uh beverly crusher obviously and that kind of thing you know single parents you know um it is hard to be us i mean i'm not speaking from experience but you know um like a fun uh, a fun fact about me but both my biological parents are divorced. So, um, so I was like raised by a single parent, both for my, my father and my mother for, for the first 18 years of my life. 
so uh, so it is kind of and you know and it's kind of uh hard you know to like you know you know how to like you know be a person you know like be like you know the offspring of your of <laughs> i i don't know how to describe it but you know it's just... yeah it's really <laughs> a big part of a lot of people's lives like yeah having to having to be separated like not seeing that interaction between two parents but on your yeah. own level but just being able to have the interaction i guess with both parents still could be nice like i've seen it some ways where someone spends only one time with one parent and that's it and seen it where you know someone doesn't have a, a mother in their life and mm-hmm. I think that's like something where people can look up to a lot of these like characters like mother characters or even motherly characters yeah which we have plenty of as well yes. like not necessarily mothers but like it's like I is kind of like a little bit of like a motherly character a bit yep. yeah and yeah we also Guinan. get to see the yeah Guyan's I mean like I don't know I just feel like even though she's not a mother she very motherly <laughs> i mean she did mention she had like like at one point i think she had 20 kids or something like that you know because you know her species is long lived so yeah. uh, but i think she mentioned that once oh 23 yeah 20 yeah. oh wait yeah. that's marriages that's marriages uh that was marriages i remember that that was a yeah nemesis. that was a nemesis but it's like <laughs> i wonder it, it's a sort of a definition of like what does it mean to be motherly or be this like parent or some sort of guidance like I think a lot of people look up to mothers as someone who gives them guidance or help or a lot of emotional comfort I feel like reassurance like looking at uh Worf's mom like in his interaction yeah. with her versus the mom of his own son which we briefly get to yeah. know but has yeah. a very rocky relationship with his mm-hmm. own son because of that Mm-hmm. it's a, such a contrast of like what does it mean to be a mother in Klingon culture what does it mean to be a mother in Vulcan culture what does it mean being mom in Vulcan culture when you're not Vulcan like Spock's mom yeah I was just gonna mention that yeah Amanda yeah definitely yeah 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 definitely how can you be a mother in uh in uh Vulcan society you know because you know because you know you have because you have a human mother but also a Vulcan father you know it's yeah. just, it's just like you know all the like she has to keep her emotions in check yeah it, it and then kinda, uh, you yeah. see the way it affects like trying to uphold the pride and respect mm-hmm. for the family as Spock is bullied growing up for it yep. and that even in a in a world where emotions are checked bullying is still an issue people still judge on such things and mm-hmm. having to overcome that and live with that but that he does love his mother regardless of you know like the reputation that it might entail that mm-hmm. he's still really proud of it yeah and it's kind of funny i mean you know talking about like mothers and stuff like that you know spock asked in both the kelvin and the prime universes why did you marry her you know he had said like in the prime universe Sarek says it was the logical thing to do <laughs> At the time, yeah. it's the largest thing to do. In the Kelvin timeline, when his mother is killed during uh, from Nero, uh, Sarah tells Spock he married her because he loved her. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. It's, it, I just realized there are two different answers, you know, yeah. from both Sarahs, you know, you know, and uh, it, it is kind of, um, you know, Sarah and Amanda were also the 
foster parents of uh, Michael Burnham from Discovery. So, mm-hmm. in you know how the they, they also raised her when her parents were supposedly killed. I mean, yeah, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> when in reality it wasn't. But I mean, especially this her is, mom. This is finger quoting here to everybody listening <laughs> <laughs> because if it, it was, wasn't. If- yeah quote, yeah because <laughs> yeah, it was because her mother is still alive so yeah. <laughs> it just went into the future but um this is like yeah we're supposedly killed <laughs> and stuff like that and uh that kind of thing you know she they taught um i mean i was like amanda and stuff like that you know with I just thought about the whole thing regarding Alice in Wonderland, you know, because that was mentioned in the original, in the animated show, but yeah. also, and then made canon in Discovery because, um, you know, Amanda would always read that book to uh, Spock and Michael when they were young. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. And I just remember that for some reason, because, you know, <laughs> mothers always read bedtime stories to their children. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, granted, fathers did it once in a while. But yeah. it was mainly it was mainly the mothers who did that. <laughs> I know my mother my mother did it when I was a when I was a when I was a toddler and stuff like that. Yeah, I, my mom. Used I to always think it's funny because my my dad definitely was almost more of like the motherly like person in my life <laughs> because my mom worked a lot of jobs. She was very busy. She worked quite a few jobs to make ends meet. Well, my dad had like a nine to five Monday through Friday job, so he had us most evenings. So he'd be the one reading his books and cooking us food and cleaning the house, which I mean, I, I grew up just seeing that. So I never felt like something that like a mother would have to do. But my dad was definitely the more like emotional one. But my mom was someone where like I see moms is like, even if they've struggled or been through a lot, they tend to be this pedestal of just confidence and reassurance in life because even when I was like younger and I tended to be a lot more close with my dad because he's a really sciencey nerdy guy. My mom was definitely more like, can you just be a little more normal, please? <laughs> put the bugs away and the <laughs> and the sci-fi stuff and like go put some makeup on. I'm like, well, I could do both <laughs> and you know, bugs <laughs> and makeup, cool. But as I got older, I had so much respect for my mom just seeing all the stuff she had to go through being a lady. She was, you know, like the things that like where you see injustices to women like for being mothers, like my mom was laid off from her job when she was pregnant with me, which is technically illegal, but you can't really do anything about it. And what is she supposed to do? Try to stir the pot and make a big deal about it. Well, she's pregnant, trying to deal with stuff. It's like, I'm just going to move on, keep moving forward, get a job again, and like, keep this going. And then you see characters like that too. Like you see Moogie, the Ferengi mom, like that, you know, Ferengi's treat women in society terribly and you get to see this sort of mother figure who's actually intelligent and super smart and just this really bright outspoken person like challenge that and change the way that that these young boys are going to actually see like see uh uh different Ferengi women being like hey you're not going to grow up learning to treat women this way and make you better than that and that's sort of like a big that's a big thing. Like, I feel like mothers pass on a lot of generational knowledge of like what they want to see moving forward, like passing on perceptions and knowledge about how people should be treated and people can learn from their mothers about that. Yeah, definitely about Moogie. I forgot about her. 
corking rounds, mom. I forgot about Ooh. that, you know, you know, Moogie. I had to say that once. I have to say that Moogie. once. <laughs> yeah. Because Max Gredenchik, who played Rom, did it so well the first time we mm-hmm. actually meet meet Moogie, um, Ishka. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Frankie society treats women like really, really bad. <laughs> it, it yeah. was, I mean, I mean, it's like, um, uh, I bet you, I mean, it was probably, like, I know that um, the Ferengi were created originally to be a villain, but then um, in Next Generation, and it was it was so horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so horrible. I, I love what they did. That's why I like Deep Space Nine is because they did such a good job really fleshing out, like, no one is ever absolutely a villain. And that's why I like that they were like, you know, there's a lot more complexities. Is If really taking a step back, if we looked at the Star Trek universe, if there's anybody that would be villains, it'd be humans. <laughs> like, yeah. between humans and Klingons, we kind of both have some bad rap where it's like, just because it's written from the perspective of humans, it tends to be a little more like, oh, we're fine, but we're looking historically, it's like, are those, those guys should be the villains, right? They're kind of bad, right? Like, and so yeah. it's nice to see them kind of reinvent and make sure that people yeah. see the depth in something that would originally be like, like just like Klingons to being like, ah, absolute enemies that's it and it's like no uh there's a bit of a difference there yes definitely and like i said the fringe originally envisioned to be the villains of next generation they were originally envisioned to be the sole evil species and that and then when they were first appeared in the last outpost um it ended up being uh so much of a horrible way it was it was acted so horribly like to this day armin shimmerman who played the very first ferengi ever shown on star trek um has taken all of the blame for the way they were portrayed to this day uh i know he said it numerous of times even after they were introduced and you know even after ds9 ended he says, I take full responsibility. They never should have been acted that way. Um, <laughs> but then they ended up being in comic relief. That's why um, yeah. they ended up being comic relief in DS9, which was a good thing, you know. But yeah, uh, definitely the way Ferengi society treats women is horrible. Uh, they chew their, they're required to chew the men's food. They're required to be naked. Um, so... <laughs> It was, yeah. it's, it's kind of like um, 50s America, 1950s America times 10. Like, you know, if it was more, if it was like, you know, if, if the 50s America of like the housewife being home, taking care of the children, that kind of thing, while the man worked and stuff yeah. like that. So, and, we, we see and then the woman be naked. So, yep. <laughs> Well, that's like the, that's sort of like, you see those recurring aspects in different species. Like even with Klingons too, depends on like which parent is the human counterpart of that, right? Like looking at Vulcans and where the mother is human mm-hmm. and the father is Vulcan. Look at uh, Balana, Taurus's mom is Klingon and yeah. the father is human, but that her mother was someone who is kind of hard relationship for her to have because Mm -hmm. her mom was really into the traditionalist views of the Klingon culture and really wanted her to grow up being a traditional woman Klingon and her dad was like nah you go to school you do your thing and the moment that they divorced 
that that her mom re-enlisted her in private schools for learning Klingon and learning the values, which again is a very weird contrast to seeing something where we imagine a mother to be maybe like the human counterpart of those relationships like with Spock. Mm-hmm. And then being a little more of like a guiding person, whereas Alana was definitely like, nah, mom, I, I want to do my own thing. I'm not following these traditions that even repress you, but you're still trying to enforce it on me and you can't see that it's a bad thing. Yeah. And I, and then lineage from Voyager is actually one of my favorite episodes from the last year of Voyager is because we got to learn so much more about Alana than we had ever learned before. I mean, yeah. she has had this internal conflict of being both Klingon and human, and sometimes the Klingon temper won out. But yeah. <laughs> which doubles the down as like an even worse thing for girl, like human women being already stereotyped as being highly emotional, yeah. and then you add a layer of Klingon on top of it, and it makes for her to have a really tough perception of people calling her out on it all the time. Yeah, and I, I mean, and it's, and it's really kind of sad. Some of the things that you know, what she went through when she was a, when she was a teenager and stuff like that. Like her cousins were very much, you know, I, I had to say this, racist. Yeah. Uh, towards Klingons, uh, <laughs> I hate to say that, but they kind of were. And yeah, then, and well, then, and like you see those struggles of like that, but that mm-hmm. that her mother is the one that kind of doesn't really protect her from it. She's kind of like face it, own it, it's fine be proud of being Klingon. Yep. Which yep. It's hard, yep. but. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then her father was like venting to her, uh, venting to her, his brother that, you know, he was not living with two Klingons who were both very emotional and stuff like that. He was like, Oh, I'm sick of this and stuff like that. And she pretty much told him, if you can't still live with, live with us, then why don't you just go? And unfortunately, yeah. and it caused her to have a, a estrangement from her father. Um, yeah. it was just kind of sad to be honest with you, yeah. Because it, because being a, because we've had estranged parents before, like Spock for for eighteen years didn't speak to Sarek at all because Sarek opposed his entry into Starfleet Academy, um, yep. stuff like that. So we've always had estranged parents in Star Trek, uh, and it's and it's unfortunate the circumstances that lead up to that are very very sad. Mm-hmm. You know, with Boana and Spock and, you know, other ones too, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Data had a mom too, and it was, she was an android. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, how do you address that? Like, that's, that's another weird, uh, another weird combination of relationships. Like, how do you, how yeah. do you handle that lineage? Exactly. Like, you know, and, and we, I mean, yeah, it's Data had a mama and stuff like that. And, I think one of my favorite besides uh, uh, mm-hmm. O'Brien's wife and getting to see her be a working mom while also being a parent is Samantha Wildman, Voyager, oh, yeah. Naomi's yep. mom. Yep. And like the fact that pretty much up until she was in labor, she was just working and helping the crew and mm-hmm. just being a part of things. It's like, it's so wild to me. And, you know, Naomi gets to hang out with everybody especially seven of nine and have a really good relationship with her yep. considers her family and seven of nine herself doesn't really associate with her childhood past because of being assimilated when she's like a, just a child mm-hmm. so Naomi's yeah. her closest family she has yeah definitely and Neil being her godfather and stuff like mm-hmm. that and you know it's funny about you know 
up until when she was born every i mean every episode before that it was always going to be a boy and then Naomi is born for, I mean, it ends up being a girl for some reason, not explained why, but <laughs> ends up being a girl. Um, that kind of like kind of happened with Spot too, because Spot, Data's cat, Data's cat was originally a male and then for some reason turned into a female. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of weird. Sometimes the writers uh, forget, like, um, what species you start out with, like what gender you start out with for yeah. the for a character, like Spot or Naomi, or or you know, or Wildman's baby, you know, because it was mm-hmm. supposed to be, <laughs> you choose males, but then you end up you end up changing them for some reason yeah. to to female <laughs> for some reason. But you know, you mentioned Seven. You know, she was kind of a mother figure too. Um, to mm-hmm. like each of and you know the other children who the voyager the rescued. on voyager yeah the other bored children that were on voyager so <laughs> so i think she uh i mean she got better you know when they first came aboard she was like scheduling out all their activities that kind of thing yeah. but then Neo i feel like her- it helped her rediscover her humanity getting to be a motherly figure it really helped her find her roots and her yeah. human side of herself yeah definitely and that was really reinforced actually when um spoiler alert when each of was killed in picard season one um, yeah. definitely she you know she was very i mean she more, she more she she never really got over his death yeah. So in that episode, she finds the person who killed him, and just murders her in cold blood. And yeah. as we, as we, so it's her son. It's that motherly rage. Yeah, the motherly rage cannot be ignored. <laughs> mama bear. So, yeah, the, the mama, mama bear rage. Yeah, exactly. You do not mess with a mama bear. <laughs> yeah. With any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, um, to Paul. Um, I mean, her mother was, I mean, Paul from Enterprise, you know, she was technically a mother herself, even though it was a plot yeah. about, about xenophobia towards aliens. Uh, she was technically that. I mean, <laughs> with, I mean, I mean, with that, with that and, you know, uh, it's, it's, I mean, unfortunately, the, car- the, the, the baby dies, but, um, yeah. but it's, it, but it's just, you know, she was technically a mother herself and, yep stuff like that and you know it's kind of crazy that you know we got we, we met our mother in the fi- final year of enterprise yeah yeah to, so less mm-hmm. yeah yeah and a couple episodes of um enterprise um and stuff like that and stuff like that and she was kind of like a hard-nosed woman you know kind of like what a vulcan Very mother tradition- probably. another uh, traditionalist in their culture you see a lot yeah. of these women who are traditionalized like they they feel they need to uphold the values and continue that even if it affects them and their their outlook on life like even if it's repressive to them they they still feel that that needs to be a continuation and that's why I liked Moogie because I'm like (laughs) I because she uh you know she stood up to that being like no that's not Mm-hmm. that's not how we're gonna raise the kids to see that like i am smart intelligent and can do what i want so yeah we're gonna have to see that 
Yeah, and you know, Moogie had like the, all the financial knowledge and stuff like that. She was very intelligent, that kind of thing. While his fa- while their father was a loser, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, and stuff like that. And you know, and you know, it caused conflict between Cork and his mother a few times, um, stuff like that. To the point where I mean, it she eventually became like the secret financial advisor to. Grand, the Grand Nagus, because she had all these financial knowledge. You yeah. know, she, like, you know, it's crazy that she knew all this stuff. And, you know, when Ferengi females are just there to be there for the man, make their dinner, that kind of thing, chew their yeah. food. So, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm glad that eventually they did get equal rights. Eventually, they did eventually get equal rights. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you, but you see that because it's caused by women mm-hmm. who are mothers, especially like getting a chance to raise a new generation of yep. children to see things differently, and it, it is a, a huge part of people's lives. Like you can see the differences in the effects of mothers in these characters' lives, like how they turn out because lack thereof of a mother figure or mm-hmm. a mother figure that wasn't one that they really liked. Versus someone who's highly involved in their life, like uh, Dr. Crusher, you know, I mean, always with uh, Wesley. So, you know, she gets to be a major part of him being raised on the crew, even without having a father figure, which, I mean, Picard kind of gets to become a father figure in a sense to him. But like, I mean, Beverly Crusher definitely balances that like work life and then raising a son and making him feel part of everything going on versus like mother maybe you see once every 10 years or one that you see once and that's it and or you haven't in years like Alana hadn't seen her mom since the moment she left for Starfleet and was out of there and then felt guilted by it because she felt that she should make sure that she doesn't bring dishonor to her and like ruin her life even mm-hmm. if they don't care as much for each other anymore she still loves her and feels like she owes her mother some sort of honor in their family yeah definitely yeah that um these are all great choices for mothers of trek you know um yeah and we didn't like i wish we had um Oh, we forgot what one. We forgot about um we didn't Carol know her. Marcus. Carol Marcus. Yeah, yeah definitely. Carol yeah. Marcus from the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. You know, you like know. uh Kirk has a son. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. being like, but also don't don't get involved in his life. Leave him alone. But I'm gonna keep doing my thing. You do your thing. <laughs> See yeah. examples of that of like just kind of don't don't acknowledge it. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's interesting the about about um Carol Marcus, you know, she was like she raised David to be just as but a scientific mind as she was, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Even though you know Kirk is his daddy, (laughs) you know that kind of thing. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely a good dynamic there. Um, It's kind of a shame that you know, I think at one point they wanted her back for the search for Spock, and they she said no. So, yeah. like, you know, because I think some, I think, or something like that should have been, like, you know, you know, like, Kurt goes to see her and tells him, and tells her that, you know, David was murdered by the Klingons, 
and yeah. all. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder what would have happened had they actually included that scene in like one of the movies. You know, um, you know, Carol and Kirk have a conversation about what happened on the Genesis planet and stuff like that. And you know, yeah. we, we see Carol grieving, obviously, which would which would obviously happen. You know, mm-hmm. like Kirk, like Kirk did. You know, it was like he yeah. fell down, like he fell down off the off the captain's chair. So, um, so it's like uh, I would have loved to have seen that. I mean, that's a, a, granted that's a missed opportunity in the films, definitely. Yeah, especially and, given like such an interesting relationship on having mm-hmm. a son, but trying to keep things professional and not mm-hmm. exploring that relationship as a mother and a father, but instead as single parents. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's sort of kind of brushed under, and especially since it seems like I mean, Dr. Marcus is a great mother to David because David's super smart and you know, mm-hmm. just very, very well developed person, and so you know that she's been a good parent to him despite not having Kirk in his life. But mm-hmm. that she kind of is just like, hey, let's keep it that way, right? I don't want him to be running off after you, like, I want him to still be just my son, and that he agrees to that. But then, you know, you're kind of surprised that, you know, he could die in action and you don't get to see her motherly rage about it because yeah. it's such an important part of his life. Yeah. So that's why I think it's a missed opportunity with the, with the original series films, especially after the Wrath Con. You know, something could have been like, you know, seen there, you know, especially in undiscovered country which you haven't seen (laughs) you know and it's like you know he's never i mean there's dialogue to the effect that kurt never forgave the klingons for murdering his son (laughs) there's dialogue Mm -hmm. to that effect it's kind of like um what would carol think the same uh would carol feel the same way probably so um who knows? Uh, we don't. Yeah. We we don't, and it's kind of sad, you know, that yeah. this kind of like you know mother son thing was never really followed up in the film somehow, and it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of it's kind of sad. I mean, it, right. it's, it could have it could have could have been followed up in any of the after the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. It could have been followed up somehow, you know. But yeah. it's unfortunate that it never was, and I think that's a very big missed opportunity especially for kirk and carol marcus yeah so i like in the like at least with, as like star trek goes forward and like moves on we see a lot more focus on motherly figures because mm-hmm. i mean in discovery the fact that michael burnham literally has three mothers basically yeah like you know got actual biological mom foster mom and then like mirror universe adoptive mom like yep. it's like crazy mm-hmm. to be like you see all these different interactions and how that affects her too which i like it's very cool to see that mm-hmm. and she knows she's coming in conflict with her mother a few times her biological mother a few times especially you know like why did you do this for me you you left me in the in the 23rd century while you go gallivanting off into the future and i'm like stuck yeah. here why did you leave me behind you know that kind of thing you know and it you know and then in the third season, they have a conflict again, you know, so it's kind of crazy to, you know, because Gabrielle Burnham is kind of a deadbeat mother. I mean, yeah. kind of, 
But that's why I think it's so cool because we see, I feel like Star Trek does a really good job of making really multidimensional mothers. We've seen so many different kinds of moms. We've seen single mothers by choice and ones that are not by choice, like lost their, mm-hmm. either lost or been estranged from their husband or partner. Uh, we've seen mothers where even though they are dead, have an effect in their afterlife on their children through like the legacy that they've left behind yeah and we've def- seen mothers where they don't like being a mother and then mothers that love being a mother and ones that only be a mother versus working and raising children or ones that aren't actually moms but then sort of do become moms like seven of nine where not technically but she pretty much is like mm-hmm. does become oh. a mom yeah exactly yeah I think we. Sh- I think that's. I think that's about it for this particular topic. Um, any final thoughts, Kenzie? I'm uh, just a happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you got a favorite mother besides your own, of course. Um, yeah, besides your own. Yeah. If anyone can compete with your own, your own mom. Uh, <laughs> you got a favorite Trekkie mom. I think a lot of people would probably be like definitely Crusher. Uh, I'm a Mrs. O'Brien fan just because I love teachers and. I'm like, great for you to work hard and be a teacher while having a relationship and being an awesome mom to not only your own kids, but to other kids. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, my final thought about Keiko O'Brien is that, you know, she became in conflict with Bajorans a few times, too, especially Mm -hmm. when she teaches the scientific aspect of the wormhole, which the Bajorans is their temple. So yes. for the profits. So I forgot about mentioning that, you know. Uh, so I'm gonna do that as my final thought. You know, the conflict between teaching science versus religion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So definitely, uh, that's a great uh, final thought for me because you know, because you know, the conflict between that actually uh, is actually really, really fascinating. Yeah, and then it adds that complexity of like doing what's right and versus doing something controversial or what you feel is right, even if others don't think so. And how you even navigate that, like how does, you know, how does she navigate that and respect, real respect a culture, but also do the right thing because others deserve to know what's Mm -hmm. really going on, even if that's not their culture. All right. So, yeah, that's my final thought for the day. Um, Okay. So, next week, episode 14. Wow, 14 already. Um, We're going to talk about characters who should have stayed or should have gone. And that that includes characters who we wanted to see more and then probably some that actually overstayed their welcome. I think they, I think there are a few of them who overstayed their welcome. So, yep. So, until next week, take care and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.